Welcome to this week's edition of the Five Heart Podcast. Listeners, you've been lucky the last few weeks because Greg was here. Unfortunately, Greg is not here yet. He has indicated he's going to pop in and join us at some point as we record this. But nonetheless, my buddy, John Johnston, is in fact here. And uh, we are going to have some conversation about Nebraska football and whatever else comes to our mind. John, how are things up in Minnesota right now? Oh, they're great. <laughs> you know, I have, a, I have a headache that's probably 7 out of 10 right now. It's, it's pretty strong. And you know what happened today to cause it? 30 Tell seconds me. of stress. Honest to God, 30 seconds of stress triggered just a massive headache. I was at a customer site. We were having pizza in a conference room. We were all discussing how nice it was to be together again and and for me to be there because when I show up, they order pizza because I'm a special person. And we were talking about how, you know, we, you know, there was one woman I work with who said, you know, I'm an introvert, but I realize at least getting together in the office makes me feel energized and, and like people are around me that I'd like to be around. And we all were kind of like happy. And then the guy I worked for at that customer site handed me his phone and said, read that. And it was an email from somebody uh, basically saying they were going to kill one of my servers, but we could, because we hadn't responded to them about uh, a problem with encryption. And it really pissed me off instantly. Uh, and 30 seconds, that's all it took. And my brain just went completely bonkers. And, uh, and now we're talking about Nebraska football. Maybe I'll feel better. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope we can put a, put a smile on that grumpy old face. <laughs> so We beat Fordham. Yeah, we did. We did beat Fordham. Um, as we have to remember, it was, in fact, Fordham. Um, and I think that, um, at least from my perspective, and I know, you know we both uh, watched the game. I actually uh, was fortunate enough to go into the stadium. I, fortunate might not be the word. I went by default. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want my dad to eat a ticket. So um, I was there, but um, we, we know that uh, they did not get off to a real good start. It was a slow start. I know that there were a lot of Nebraska fans that have been skeptical or, uh, you know, about this team that as soon as, uh, Adrian Martinez put that ball on the ground, um, it was, Oh, here we go again, or, you know? And so not a good start, but, uh, as the game moved on, uh, you know, the defense early on kind of had a bend, but don't break mentality. But as the game went on, they became very aggressive and, uh, the offense, uh, the offense looked good, in my opinion. Uh, probably the thing that uh, people walked away from where they were still shaking their heads was on punt return. And, uh, you know, once again, Tam, Cam Taylor-Britt made a bad decision, turned the ball over on a punt. Um, that's frustrating. But um, he was not back on the field after that. Uh, Might have been part of the rotation on defense. Uh, but um, we'll see. We'll see how things go forward. So talk to me, John. Talk to me about your thoughts with uh, – you know, overall with the game, but, um, you know, pick out a few of the things that you were really impressed with and, and maybe toss something in there that you think, well, we, we still don't have answers or I'm not impressed with something. So whatever you'd like to, whatever, you'd you know, like to we, we figured out kickoffs. We have, we have, I mean, we, we have two young men that can put the ball in the end zone. Yeah. And that's not a small thing, given that we gave up three touchdowns on kick returns last year. Didn't one cost us a game? I think, uh, yes, yes. Did we get You know, if, 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 if my friend Scott starts figuring out these tiny little things and he keeps playing teams to like within eight points, then that means that we'll actually win more games. And then maybe this year we – figure out like, okay, we figured out kickoffs. And then next year we could figure out punt returns. Also Connor Culp made, uh, made some of his, you know, he made, he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, Marquis step looked decent running the ball or, you know what? He looked like a guy who was going to be the starter from now on. And, and who knows about that from week to week, because, you know, it, apparently it's all up to Scott with who follows his rules 
which, you know, it makes sense. If you don't show up to meetings on time, if you don't go to classes, stuff like that, that stuff does matter. You know, it's part of building the culture thing that we constantly hear about. Probably sick of it by now. But, uh, you know, I mean, there was a there was good things. I mean, we ended up beating the shit out of them. And that's that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, yeah, obviously, I, the bad thing was the slow start. You know, they they walked onto the field and they fucked around. That's really what it was. You know, let's let's fuck around and fumble the ball. Let's fuck around and throw the ball over buddy over open receivers' heads. Let's fuck around and be down by three scores to Oklahoma before the game even starts, and embarrass ourselves on national television again in two weeks. You know, th- that's the kind of shit that has to get corrected. And right now is when you need to correct it against Buffalo. You have a team coming into Lincoln this week, and. <laughs> You're gonna do. You're gonna do the same thing. What was it? Adrian Martinez or one of those guys said that. Oh yeah, the offensive line and I got after each other, and then they played better. What? Well, maybe start that. Maybe do that before you walk on the field. Maybe one of them should look at the other one and say, "Hey, would you care to block on the first series instead of waiting till the third? You know, maybe some of that shit. So, you know, I guess you know, I tweeted. I tweeted, I, I'm glad I stopped drinking because there isn't enough vodka in the world for this shit. And uh, that got picked up by a bunch of national guys, not national guys that write for publications like, uh, uh, you know, CBS Sports and like that. But, you know, former SB Nation people picked that up and retweeted it all over the place. And, uh, and then later on, we felt better about the game. Well, you know, um, John, we have uh... – been joined by Greg. Greg is here. Greg, uh, how you doing? I'm doing real good, Todd. How are you? <laughs> you got you got a much deeper voice this week, Greg. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, it's good to be here. Good to be among you, fine gentlemen. <laughs> uh, just you know, loving life, celebrating a dub. Good, good, good. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll toss the same question to you that um, I threw John, you know, uh, reflecting on the Fordham game. You know, give me a couple of things that uh, you were happy with, that you were impressed with, and, and you know, finish up with something where, you know, the you still have questions or, or you know, there's still a, a, a perhaps a problem area here or there. So, you know, let us know what you think, Greg. Um, heck of a coming out party, I think, at this level. Uh, for uh, Samari Torre, um, you know, I, I think that we, despite the fact he's probably been on campus the least of, of any of the, uh, you know, names that, that are recognizable, I'm obviously not talking like brand new incoming freshman. Uh, he seemed to show the most promise, uh, certainly seemed to be the apple of A. Martinez's eye, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, had himself a nice day, uh, and but I was I, I was happy to see Omar Manning get a few uh, nice catches as well. Uh, you, you get those guys in, you're going to take a lot of the load uh, and, and comfortable. You're going to take a lot of load off the running backs. Uh, we saw a tremendous amount of depth at the running back position, uh, like uh, uh, our, our beloved uh, uh, founder and fearless leader said just as I came in, Marquis Step. You know, did I think separate himself a little bit from the pack? I'll say this: I against Fordham, I like the fact that they used uh, emptied out the running back room. Uh, you know, and gave everybody an opportunity. But there has to be a guy. You know, there has to be a guy getting uh, a bulk of the load, uh, consistent reps, and, and and be that workhorse. And and I hope it's Marquis. Let me rephrase: I don't care who it is, as long as they are productive. Um, you know, we saw, I made this comment in the, uh, um, post game Facebook live Jacques Yant, you know, for as big and powerful as he is and and what we saw from him in the spring game, um, he got small and kind of got underneath a couple of the blockers, uh, to, you know, squeeze through the line to get a first down. Um, that was nice to see. That means he's, he's not one dimensional, you know, he, uh, um, he, he knows that, that he can, this is going to sound weird to say, but manipulate his body to uh, achieve the goal. So I like 
that moving forward. But Marquis Step, you know, if, if he's going to be the guy that, that Scott Frost is going to throw out there the most, then he has to be the guy. He can't be and, – and, you know, I say that and I feel bad for, like, the Ramir Johnsons who've been on campus longer, you know, the Marvin Scott the thirds who, you know, showed us things. But you can't – there has to be a, a rhythm. Uh, and we saw that early on in that game with that, that fumble, you know, there, or the mishandled handoff, uh, not to sound ac- accidentally redundant, um, that fortunately they recovered. But you – a rhythm develops, you know, and, and so you have to um, keep that guy and, and have the rest of them ready to go, you know, uh, situationally or, or in case of an injury, something like that. So I, I, I like that. Uh, one of the things that impressed me was from the Fordham side, and that was that, that I'm going to get the name wrong, but I'm going to call him Greg. Feels like it's a, a, a safe bet who had 31 tackles. I mean, that's impressive. And, uh, you know, he showed out and, and, you know, it sucks that it was at our expense. But again, like I said in the postgame is 31 tackles. Um, and maybe he's not a senior or maybe he's a senior. Or maybe he could be a grad transfer, but elevate, you know, his shine a little bit. But uh, that, that's a guy, he, he had the motor that he's going to be playing on Sundays. Um, so that's, uh, you know, a, another impressive thing that, you know, is not necessarily at Nebraska's favor. Something that I'm not impressed with uh, is uh, punt returns, particularly with uh, our, our – and look, we love him, Cam Taylor Britt. You know, we love his energy defensively, but something's going on with him right now. There's a disconnect uh, in special teams. Um, so if he's not out there, I'm all for it. Until, you know, and, and I don't think he needs to be out there. You have a lot of playmakers uh, that you could put out uh, on punt return to handle that duty, you don't need to take your, uh, you know, draft pick, shut down corner, and throw him on punt return. I, I, I think that's unnecessary. I think it's excessive use of the guy. Um, and, and as we've clearly seen now in these first two weeks, it, it's not working. Uh, so those are my um, thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down, I suppose. Uh, from, you know, quick takeaways from the, the Fordham game. Hell, I'm, I'm thrilled with the fact that we won by 45 points, and I'm thrilled with the fact that after Fordham tied the game, you know, there in the first quarter, they didn't score again. Those are big takeaways uh, that, you know, the, the competition's going to be bumped up a little bit. Buffalo's going to be better than Fordham. Let's, let's just face it right there. These are stepping stones. Uh, and then we've got a big one in two weeks against Oklahoma or, or you know, two weeks from Fordham anyway. Um, so stepping stones, I, we can officially say now, you know, that it's been three plus quarters since Nebraska defense gave up a touchdown. That's nice. I haven't been able to say that in a while. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, well, uh, I, I tell you what, I, I think, you know, as I reflect a little bit in, you know, you guys have hit on, on, you know, some of the same things that I would have talked about. I, you know, one thing I do want to say, I think a lot of people are frustrated with the offensive line because, you know, going into this season, you know, someone, you know, some, someone, they, whoever they were, were building up this offensive line. And I think that we have to have a real reality check when you look at, you know, the five young men that are starting on this offensive line. Uh, you know, we had three freshmen or redshirt freshmen. Oh, sure. We can say, you know, they've been here an extra year, but the reality is, is that they they do not have a great deal of experience. We had a junior in that who had his second start, and then we've got uh, we've got Cam Jurgen sitting there in the middle that you know has started quite a few games. But overall, this offensive line still needs some time uh, to to work together as a unit. Offensive lines have to work together as a unit, and uh, you know hopefully uh, they mature and they come along. Um, but and they're going to have to. I mean, they simply have to. That is the offensive line that we're going to have. Um, Coach Frost has has stated that he's he wants to establish the running game, so they're going to have to step up. But uh, you know, for for people to start throwing rocks and slinging arrows at these guys, you still have to remember that uh, it's a pretty young unit. I'd also. But say, you're going to call them kids too, Todd? Is that what no, you're going to do? No, I'm not going to call them kids. Them kids. 
The other so thing that I'll say is uh, Oliver Martin, if he's healthy this week, he'll in all likelihood be back to, to take punts. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited after watching the team this week, you know, when you can get that view in the stadium and really, you know, see the big picture and, and receivers running routes, I'm just almost giddy thinking what it might be like with uh, Omar Manning, with uh, Toure out there, and Oliver Martin. I mean, holy smokes. Those guys, those guys could create uh, a lot of mismatches. And, uh, you know, assuming that uh, Martinez has, has time to throw the ball and can make decisions, it could be crazy. It oh, my God. Assuming he has time, he has time. I want to touch on Listen, that. Listen, we're quick. not uh, seeing Gabe Irvin on the field because if you go back to the Illinois game and watch him, he doesn't pick up pass protection for shit. He's probably decent at running the ball, but he's not very good at picking up pass protection. So we're probably not going to see Gabe Irvin until he gets more experience at figuring out which guy you're actually supposed to block on when he's blitzing your quarterback. Secondly, Adrian Martinez has plenty of time to show the fucking ball. The, the, he stands around looking like he's waiting for a bus, for God's sake. So well, I'd make that argument. I stand corrected. You are right, John. He is yeah. making very quick decisions. Three, uh, Cam Taylor Britt's on the field because he wants to make a play. Yeah, He's just made – really, he has not had good balls punted to him, and he's decided to try to make ball plays on really shitty – you know, decisions. He hasn't had a ball punted to him where he can make a move, make a play. That's what he wants to do. I don't fault but, the guy. But that, for that doesn't excuse the mistakes, John. You know, yeah, that's, I get that's, that. that's selfish. And, you know, you want your playmakers out there. I agree 100%. And can I, do I think Cam Taylor Britt can take a punt to the house? Absolutely. You know, so maybe when the visiting team is punting from their five or their 10 or their 15, put Cam Taylor Britt in there, but don't put him in situations where it could be, where it could damage, you know, the, the, the offense. Greg, you know what the most impressive play of that game was? Tell me. Nobody's going to guess. Nobody's no. going to guess. No, because I never guess right, John. And I think you change the answers. And if I do guess right, then you say, no, it's something else. So tell me, John. The most impressive play of that game was Alante Brown's 11-yard reception, the only time he touched the ball. And you saw him catch the ball and do a stop-start move that faked two guys. There might have been like Fordham players, but he faked them out of the he – he flattened them on the ground with even, without even touching them. And you kind of went I, – I, I don't know about you guys, but I looked at that and went, I want to see more of that. How about if that guy's the guy returning punts? How about if you throw that guy the ball? <laughs> Let's see what he can do. You know, I there's there's guys in that receiving core that want time on the field, you know, and Alande Brown needs to be out there as well. They only play with one football. <laughs> so oh my god, that was have, like a dad quote. <laughs> you can't have 33 guys on the field, John. You can't do it. Oh. No room. 11 on 11. Well, what else do we know about Fordham? Well, I know that I, I think gotta we go need to move off. We went the there. Let's talk about Buffalo. <laughs> okay. I'll be back. Oh. <laughs> we'll see. It sounds like some kind of omen. Uh, well, what do we know about Buffalo, Todd? What do you say? I said, I'm sitting in my driveway. Can I go in my house, please? Yes, yes, absolutely. We'll wait for you. Thank you. Okay. No, don't wait. That's more work for me. I got to edit that out. <laughs> we'll keep talking. Thank so you. we got Buffalo coming up. And, we got um, Buffalo coming up. Buffalo is going to be. They won the MAC last year. Um, did they play? Did they play in a? Uh, well, they obviously played in a bowl game. But did they play in one of the New York's New Year's Six games? I I don't. Buffalo. Yeah, I don't. Well, I'll look it up. You keep talking. Well, here, the, here's my thoughts on Buffalo. You know, until this summer, I figured that, you know, depending on, you know, what the Nebraska team looked like, I figured it could be um, uh, a real test, a real challenge, a real battle for Nebraska. And then um, at some point this summer, Kansas decided to hire Lance Leopold. And uh, Lance Leopold, who was the head coach at Buffalo. And uh, 
you know, Lance Leopold has been mentioned among some people who, you know, are loyal to Nebraska football as, you know, an individual that maybe would look good wearing the scarlet and cream as a head coach. And he'd been here, I think, as a grad assistant or something at one point in time, but he's highly respected and he's an up and comer. So um, I, I, the thing about it is, is that when you have a, a coach like Lance Leopold building a program, when he leaves, especially in the middle of the summer, uh, I think that's a huge blow to the team. So I know that Buffalo, you know, hung what, like 60 some odd points against Wagner a couple weeks ago or this last week. Um, but I, I'm not saying Buffalo will not be a stout test for Nebraska. And I'm not saying it's not going to be a tough game, but I don't think it's going to be as tough of a game as it would have been if Lance Leopold was still coaching the team. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, last year, uh, Buffalo won the Crampton Bowl. The Crampton Bowl. The Crampton Bowl. Whatever the hell that is. I don't remember there being a Crampton Bowl. Uh, the Camellia Bowl against Marshall, 17-10. to 10. They lost the MAC championship game to Ball State, 38-28. to 28. But okay. overall, they had a good season. You know, they went, uh, what is it, 7-1, and one, I think? Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I, I do think you're right about, uh, you know, changing a coach that late in the season is uh, a little bit, well, it's difficult because you're going to have all these new guys come in and they're going to have to coach you, you know, in different ways than the, the other guy did. Uh, what was it? 69 to seven over Wagner. They rolled up 569 yards of offense, 312 yards on the ground. Uh, we have, I, I, they have a starting quarterback returning. They have no proven receivers, or if I remember correctly, and they they're running their big their best running back from last year also moved on. So I don't think they I don't there's I don't maybe get I actually get a sentence out. There's nothing about Buffalo's offense that's that's really scary that I can think of. Yeah, you know, I, I think that our defense should do a good job of shutting down Buffalo. I mean, we can play that up and say, well, they're going to test our defensive line. I don't, I don't think so. I think our defense should be able to handle them easily. Obviously, the biggest problem with this game is us again. You know, well, exactly. That's where I was headed, John. You know, I'm not worried about how Nebraska matches up with Buffalo. It's how, how, how clean are we going to play? You know, how many mistakes are we going to make? Uh, it, it's the same old, same old. And if Nebraska plays – um, a relatively clean game. If they play as clean as they played against Fordham, I think Nebraska will will uh, will beat will beat Buffalo, you know, somewhat handily. Um, but you know, if if uh, they turn the ball over, uh, you know, what what's been really nice this year so far, even including the Illinois game. Now the Illinois game, they had that that one that one play where they gave you up 30 yards of penalties. But you take that out, um, this team has not given up many yards for penalties. Um, right. So, you know, knock on wood, if if they come out and they have their heads on right, um, if they're mentally up for the game, uh, because, you know, shoot, last year they beat Penn State and the next week, you know, they uh, they were pretty full of themselves and they got waxed. So, uh, you know, if, if they're going to be a winning football program, they need to come out with a strong mindset and be ready to play football on Saturday. Greg says we'll, we'll have to finish without him. His prediction is 48 to 20. I'm not ready for prediction yet. Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, Adrian Martinez started the game out throwing like he has, you know, the ball's all over the place. And then suddenly for the rest of that game, he it's like he's Joe Montana. Why, what is the discrepancy there? What is the deal with that guy? Why does he do that? I don't know if this is right, wrong, or otherwise, but, you know, uh, long, long time ago, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast at one time or another, I remember listening to some coaches you know, they were talking about the mental preparation for a game. And, you know, there are, there are some of those people that they, you know, 
they want to see like that Ray Lewis guy out there getting everybody jacked up and, you know, just pumped up and, you know, ready to rip and, you know, rip into people and, you know, tear heads off and that kind of stuff, which is fine for about, I don't know, 13 of the 22 people on the field. Um, the one person for sure that you don't want to have that kind of emotional preparation is your quarterback. And I honestly believe that Adrian Martinez, I think he gets amped up. I think uh, he, he's got adrenaline flowing. Um, I don't think, I mean, I'm just kind of grasping at straws. Is, is this a case where, you know, the guy needs to figure out a way to enter into a game on point, but relaxed? Because in that, in that Illinois game, when he's throwing passes – all over the place. I think that probably has more to do with the fact that he's just so amped up than it does anything else. Now, people will argue there's some mechanics errors, but you know, you're right. He comes out and the first few passes, you know, well, who the hell were you throwing that to? But man, yeah. when he got in a groove, I mean, you could see this all unfold. Omar Manning can get open. He can get open. Xavier Betts, can get open. And it seems like when Martinez is in the flow of the game, he puts, he puts the ball right on the spot. He finished 17 to 23 for 250 yards, four yards and one touchdown through the air. I mean, he had, uh, Oh, eight carries for 33 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So, you know, it was a good game for him. You know, you know what else we haven't even mentioned? We haven't mentioned that we got to watch a quarterback not named Martinez. Yes. Or McCaffrey. What did you – I, I think he looked confident. I mean, he had that fumble. But, you know, that's – that's. Uh, I want to make a play. I want to make an effort thing going on. But uh, I, Logan Smothers, he didn't look like he was a deer in the headlights. No, and, and where I think he's got an advantage is, you know, we're going to just kind of contradict what we've been saying about um, Adrian Martinez. You talk about a young man that can make a decision, a quick decision. Yeah. You know, he sees, he sees the field and, and I mean, he, he, boom, he, he sets his feet and he's ready to throw. Now, if he's under heat from Wisconsin or Ohio state's, you know, defensive line and their edge rushers, you know, will he be able to do the same? I don't know, but um, it was fun you know, to, to watch him play. I wish that we could have seen a little bit more. I, I wish we could have seen one of the other quarterbacks, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, uh, Masker or whether that would have been, you know, Har is it Harburg? I keep, I got yeah, it. Heinrich Harburg. You know, it, you know, one of those two guys, it would have been nice to have seen one of those two guys. Uh, if by chance Nebraska can get up, you know, comfortably in, in towards the end of the fourth quarter this week. And I'm not counting on that, but if that were to happen, you know, rather than put Smothers in to, you know, run a series or two, maybe put one of those other guys in just to, you know, get, get their feet wet. I was going somewhere and then I'm lost. Well, uh, okay. We saw Yant, Marvin Scott got the play. Yeah. Uh, Sevian Mortson got nine carries, which is fairly decent. I think uh, Seven Morris in the long run, Seven Morrison is going to be their best running back. Do I, think you? He I think he, I think he's got the combination of shiftiness and and power, um, you know, and and he can move. He moves well laterally, uh, so I, I I think eventually he's going to turn into the top running back. But um, I would have to agree right now if 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 we had one guy out there that I would want to put some faith and trust in, it would be it'd be Step at this point. Um, Did you watch any other football? I I really didn't. I, I watched a little bit. Um, I watched a little bit of Georgia and Clemson. Um, you know, that's just rock 'em sock 'em. You know, SEC defensive football. Um, you know, you talk about athletes. You talk about you know just playing with flat out speed and aggression. You know, that's that was what it was. What happened in that game. Uh, I think Clemson is going to notice a drastic drop-off <laughs> from Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll weep for them. I will weep for them when they lose games. Yeah. The Arab. Well, let's talk about another football game. And I kind of alluded to this last week, also in the state of Carolina. South Carolina won their first game of the year with a quarterback who, when the season started, was a graduate assistant on the football team. Right. Zeb Nolan who was a backup quarterback at Iowa State. And, uh, you know, he, he got some playing time at Iowa State. And lo and behold, he's ready to start his coaching career. And he's, they tell him, take off the whistle. We need a quarterback. And, and he leads the Gamecocks to a victory. So that's kind of an interesting story, too. What, what did you watch, John? What, uh, what else did you see this weekend that you'd like to? I, I watched a lot of football because yeah. I watch a lot of football. Uh, Penn State, Wisconsin. I, I think I said earlier in the year on one of these videos that Wisconsin would go as far as Graham Mertz would take them. Uh, Wisconsin isn't going to go very far. Uh, you know, there. I today when I was at my customer site, I was with Penn State guy, and basically he said we didn't have a great goal line stand. Wisconsin just sucks. And even the Wisconsin guy at lunch was like, oh, my God, Graham Mertz. He, he threw the ball away. I mean, he threw the game away for him. So I don't think Wisconsin is going to – I mean, they'll still be decent, but I, they're not – I would not pick them to win the West right now. What did you uh, think what, of um, – What I'm going to step out of the Big Ten and then come back because I got another question for you. But what did you think of Brian Kelly's comments after the game, the Notre Dame game? I think that a guy who ordered a kid to go up on a scissor lift in the wind and killed him basically should never make, try to make fucking stupid jokes about death ever. It, it really bothers me that Brian Co- Kelly is even a coach. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, he can go fuck himself every day of the week. You know? yeah, I, I was, um, I, I don't think anybody should, you know, cut any quarter with him. I thought that that was uh, inexcusable. Um, whether he's trying to imitate John McKay or John. Yeah. Uh, right. McKay, uh, it, it fell flat, but it should never have been said. And uh, not him. Not, you know, somebody else could make that absolutely. joke and it's OK, but not that fuckhead. Yeah, I thought I thought that was definitely uh, an incredible poor taste. Um, I did not watch any of that game, but. Uh, oh, McKenzie my God, Milton, it was an excellent game. Mackenzie Melton, apparently, you know, uh, kind of looked like the McKenzie Milton of old, which it's, it's fun. You know, you know, like you, I, I was not much of an NFL fan until last year because that's basically what we had. And I thought the story, the greatest story in football that I've kind of experienced in the last maybe 20 years was Alex Smith, you know, coming back last year um, after and watching those documentaries about what he went through you know, damn near lost his leg. Um, but, you know, those kinds of stories are really heartwarming to me. And, you know, to see a young man who was so exciting at UCF and then, you know, moves on up to Tallahassee and, and uh, engineers a, a drive to tie the ball game up. Uh, to me, that's, that's what I love about college football, to see things right. like that. There were two things about that game. Number one, Florida State has had an offensive line that hasn't been able to block for years. And I know as a Nebraska fan, you're listening to that comment and you'd say, well, ours hasn't either. No, ours has been able to at least not get people killed. <laughs> Florida State has had excellent recruits on their offensive line for the past five or six years. And they literally, that game was the first time they scored over 14 points in a game in I don't, three years. Two years, a very long time. That's how bad they've been. So you saw a a Florida State team that might be getting its shit together, which I know that you're probably thinking, well, I hate Florida State from fucking years ago in the 90s and the 80s, and we had to play them in the Orange Bowl and blah, blah, blah. You know what? You want a good Florida State team. You want a good Florida State team because uh, I'm tired of watching a good Clemson team. There you go. Well, but wait, the, the, other, the other story in that game is this. It wasn't Mackenzie Milton. It was Mackenzie Milton's mom. Because they showed the Miltons in the stands. And you could see his mother every time after a play that she looked like she was about ready to die. 
And I can't imagine what it was like for her to watch her son be laying on a field and having everybody around him and then have a cart come out and pick him up and watch him go through all the surgeries and all the things that he's gone through. And then once again, watch him walk out into a football field. And every time he dropped back the pass and one time he ran and you're thinking, oh, dear God, please do not let him get destroyed again. And, you know, I, I, there's a book I used to review a lot more books, but um, oh God dang it. It's a tight end that played for Minnesota. And he makes this comment in his book. He had to retire from football because of concussions and his memory is fucked up like mine is but he makes this comment in the book that he's laying on the field and the announcers are talking about him having a very serious injury and then they cut to commercial and what he thinks about that moment is my mom is watching me lay on this field and the announcers are saying he has a very very serious injury here's a commercial you know so we don't think about that part of sports at all but for her when they cut to her you could just tell she was like dying inside with every play yeah. but uh you know it was a good game it was a excellent game for what was a monday night it was a florida state played really well i wish they would have won and beat the motherfuckers from Notre dame but they did yeah. well i want to take a step back real quick to uh the big 10 uh, the other little bit of football that i watched um was iowa um <laughs> iowa looked pretty good yeah they did and they did fuckers <laughs> i did not expect iowa i did not expect iowa to look that good at this point in the season um well they you know michael penix when it did you watch the game michael penix played like an indiana quarterback of your <laughs> He played like that last year, didn't he? Well, we had a good year. Fuck it. We can have another good year in another 20 years or 30 years. You know, it it was terrible. The Indiana was God awful. But yeah, you're right. Spencer Petras threw the ball well, threw the ball decently. Tyler Goodson's a good back. (sighs) So which that kind of tees up and, you know, we'll kind of wrap up some of this football conversation. I want to talk Nebraska athletics for just a couple minutes in other areas, but uh, just across the river, Cyhawk series this week. Um, you know, I was it's called El Asico. El Asico. Yeah. Yes. Um, Iowa state dropped a couple of spots in the rankings uh, because of their struggles with Northern Iowa, which every year when they play Northern Iowa, they struggle. And Iowa has been lucky to get out alive after playing Northern Iowa. Um, but that game is in, uh, in Ames at Jack Trice and, um, game day is, uh, once again, for the second time in history is going to camp out on the South side of the stadium. And, uh, so crazy Iowans will have their opportunity, uh, to bask in all their glory. Uh, just, Throwing it off the cuff, John. Uh, Cyclones, Hawkeyes. You got a, you got a thought on who may walk out carrying the, carrying the, the hardware after that game? Well, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. It's gonna be uh, Nebraska's next head coach, Mad Camel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, I, you know, you know where my loyalties lie. I really hope the Cyclones can win, but. I think now it's going to be a better game after Iowa's showing last week than a lot of people have predicted. This could right. be a, a real knockdown, drag out. Uh, they're both ranked, right? Yeah, they're both ranked in the top ten, I think. Yeah. So that that makes it a big game. Let, let's move on real quick. Um, just want to say a couple things. Uh, Nebraska Creighton volleyball last night. Uh, did you have a chance to catch that, John? Yeah. It was. I thought we were going to have a game. And what we got was us beating the shit out of Creighton. Yeah, total domination. I listened to John Cook on uh, Sports Nightly tonight, and uh, he said, you know, a question was thrown at him, what did you do to motivate the players? He says, well, he says, my job isn't to motivate. He said, we've got captains, we've got team leaders that uh, they, don't, they, don't, they don't need somebody like me to motivate them. He said, what we, what we focused on, was that we wanted to absolutely dominate, dominate every point of the game. And so every game, every point, you know, I challenged the team to get their heads in that mindset where we're going to dominate this point. We're going to dominate this point. 
And lo and behold, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm not the volleyball expert. I've learned a lot about the game. It's been a lot of fun watching Nebraska. But I was listening a little bit to John Baylor. And I'll tell you what, for any of you folks listening, you want a treat. You need to listen to John Baylor and Lauren Cook West broadcast Husker <laughs> Volleyball on the radio. John Baylor, there will be times when you will have such a hard belly laugh, you will hurt. I mean, he, he is the perfect guy to call a volleyball match. Um, he calls it like it's a prize fight, to be quite yeah, honest. Yeah, he does. It's bizarre. It's, 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 it's just it's really amazing. weird. But anyway... You know, um, but after game one, I was listening to it driving back to, to Lincoln. And after game one, um, Lauren uh, Cook West commented about how incredibly uh, dynamic and strong the backcourt was. And he, she said, we have never had a backcourt anywhere as good as what, the, what Nebraska is putting out there this year. And when you have a backcourt that can keep balls alive, uh, that can, you know, uh, dig balls and make passes. There was even one situation in that game last night where, in essence, Lexi Rodriguez set the ball to McKenzie Knuckles in the backcourt, and she she had a kill off of the thing. So that yeah. that's exciting, and and I'm really happy. And and you know they uh, they they play Utah, a ranked team, this weekend, and then they go out to Stanford. So. Um, Nebraska, I'll tell you what, what's really, really scary is that they aren't even playing well yet as a team. Right. This is a team that, that, that could be very, very dangerous at the end of the year. Um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not the college basketball fan, but uh, the, the schedules were released uh, for Big Ten schedules for both men's and women's basketball this week. Uh, I think some of the people on coordination that follow the sport um, are, are pretty content with the, the schedule that Nebraska has. And it sounds to me, uh, Kent Pavelka was on Twitter and Kent Pavelka is saying, oh, my goodness. He said he watched a practice and he is truly excited about the men's basketball team. We're going to have to learn all these names. I'll, like I'll, Kushiro Mafune. I, I tell you what, John, you guys can learn all the names. I'll sit here and nod my head and throw throw questions your ways. I'll be responsible for helping Dylan out with the mat. All right. Okay. So, so um, and, and speaking of that, just a, a reminder to folks, uh, the World Team Trials are in Lincoln at Pinnacle Bank Arena this weekend on, on Saturday and Sunday. I think there are six uh, Cornhusker wrestlers competing in this um jordan burroughs obviously is the is the headliner but james green's also competing tyler Berger's competing uh former football player matt farmer who uh finished his athletic career wrestling at concordia out in seward he's he's uh wrestling in the greco tournament so and there's a couple others and and i'm i'm just not remembering who they are but um nebraska will be well represented on the mat and most important and saving the very, very best for last. What happened earlier this week, John, that has many, many Nebraskans truly excited about athletics in our state? What sport started practice this week? Baseball. Baseball. And for the first time in 10 years, Mojo Haggy was not out on the field. Now that's, Will <laughs> Bolt's, that's Will Bolt's joke. But uh, 18 new players join uh, 22, give or take a few uh, returning players. Uh, Will Bolt's team has opened fall practice. Uh, they did announce that they're going to play two scrimmages, which you know was something that they started a couple years ago. I, I think maybe the first one, September 17th, they're going to play Creighton at Haymarket. And then they're going to play uh, Wichita State October 2nd. So uh, they've got the red-white scrimmage in there as well. A uh, lot, um, lot of competition for many positions. Uh, the entire outfield will most likely be replaced. And uh, it will be interesting to see uh, how the Cornhuskers come out uh, baseball-wise this fall. So There was other news about baseball. Uh, fill me in. 
Baseball America ranked our, our 2021 recruiting class as number 21st in the country, the second highest class we've ever had. That's great. Will Bold oh. has the program ascending, which uh, is really exciting. Now, I haven't seen I haven't seen Nebraska's baseball schedule. I have seen Iowa's, and I guess actually, John, I shared that with you. And uh, I kind of mocked it a little bit, saying they're playing Division three schools and they're playing Division two schools, um, you know, that have no baseball, you know, uh, reputation at all. They're and, playing uh, brass, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, they are. They're, they're Division three, right? Yeah, Loris. That's where my daughter goes. Yeah. Loris. Yeah, they're playing yeah. Loris College, a Division three school. Never mind, you know, if they really wanted to play, play teams down, they got the Division II national runners-up within driving distance down at Warrensburg, Missouri, central, central Missouri. If they wanted to play somebody that, you know, has some baseball acumen. Uh, but, no, they're uh, – they just – I thought Rick Heller was going to turn that program into an ass kicker. Well, it looks like they're going to kick the ass at Division Three schools and, <laughs> and uh, Division One schools that uh, do not place much of a priority on baseball. Yeah, uh, that's so kind of a shame. The reality of it is, is that they're not going to do their RPI any good. And right. as, as you've mentioned many times, John, when we get into baseball season, um, the Big Ten kind of eats its own when all schools don't go out and play uh, quality baseball opponents to try to jack up their RPI. And, and not only is, not only is Iowa going to hurt their own opportunities uh, for postseason play because of a low RPI that has a negative impact on the other schools in the big 10. Yeah. Yeah. I I would hope that Iowa would have uh, increased their schedule difficulty, but it looks like uh, our friend Rick is going to take the easy way out for W's that mean nothing. I'm wondering if he checked into playing high school teams, um, you know, if that was uh, possible at all to, to schedule any high school programs. But uh, so anyway, um, thank you, Rick Heller. Uh, you are a very good baseball coach, but you're a shitty scheduler. So um, there's that our, was very gracious. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's our, our weekly hawk talk. There you go. <laughs> John. What else do you got on your mind before we throw out ridiculous predictions for uh, for the big game this week against Buffalo? I think the only thing I have on my mind is I've really tried to find where the Pac-12 network is, and I have no idea. So I don't know how to watch Pac-12 games. You know, I I I suppose it's on like Fobo TV or some fucking thing, but. <laughs> You know, we get to watch we get to watch Oregon play Ohio State this weekend, and we get to watch uh, uh, Washington play Michigan after Washington got beat by Montana last week. So yeah. I guess we'll get to watch some Pac-12 football because they're playing Big Ten teams. But you know, I I'd like to watch Pac-12 football, but whatever, dudes. Well, I've I've got Pac-12 football uh, when I'm in Lincoln. It's on the uh, Dish Network. Um, where I, where I reside. Um, so I can watch it there, but yeah, my focus, obviously uh, I'm, I'm not going to go to the Buffalo game. My uh, nephew's going to use the ticket that I use and, and uh, go watch the game with my dad. Uh, so I'm going to be picking that game up on television and I'm going to be keeping my eye on Iowa, Iowa state. Um, yeah. I think the, uh, I think the uh, it'll be fun. Oregon, would you say Oregon, 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 and Ohio State? Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, that could be a fun game to watch, um, you know, depending on, you know, how good Oregon is, I guess. So, anyway, well, hey, um, I guess we'll throw a prediction, our predictions out for uh, the game with Buffalo this week. Uh, John, uh, throw Greg out there first so we can, uh, that will be our baseline. Greg's prediction was 48 to 20. I just literally uploaded a prediction video before this. And I was, I thought, you know, Buffalo could score 13 points against our defense on our, on their own. All right. And we're going to give them our traditional two turnovers, which is going to put them up to like 27. And I thought, okay, we're going to score 35 points because I don't have the faith in our offense to score 40. And then we're going to take two turnovers away from us. 
which puts us below Buffalo. And then we're going to give ourselves back one turnover from them, which puts us really close to Buffalo. So I think on the video that I just did, I went 30 to 27 and I thought, oh my God, that's way too close. 30 to 24. No, that sucks. I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be a game that we're not going to be happy with. And I'm going to say this until they prove us wrong. Come out fast, beat up the other team, keep a lead, make minimal mistakes, don't have any turnovers, or at least have minimal turnovers that don't cost you a game. So I don't know. I'll go 31 to 21. 31, 21. Well, you're uh, kind of in the same ballpark that I was thinking. Um, I'm going to go 34, 21. Um, I don't have any rationale for that other than the fact that I think, uh, I think Nebraska's defense is going to play solid. Um, I, I think that Nebraska will hold them to a couple of scores and I think they, they may get a score off of a, off of a turnover or something like that. So that's why I'll, I'll, I'll kind of rationalize, uh, 21. Uh, I'm not the deep thinker that you are, John. I just got a <laughs> feeling that, uh, I got a feeling that Nebraska can score, um, can score a few touchdowns and, uh, but, uh, you know, no, they're releasing a depth chart. So it's like, they got it figured out. Yeah. Well, <sighs> Nebraskans have breathed a, a sigh of relief because now there is a depth chart. So uh, <laughs> black shirts, the black shirts were handed out prior to the start of the season. Check that off. Depth chart was released. Check that off. Attendance streak is still in play. Check that off. So are there any other things that Nebraska – Nebraska fans should be really, really happy. Those things most important to them have already been taken care of this year. Well, we don't have a fullback. And I heard that next year we're going to eliminate the tight end position. <laughs> We should probably end now. <laughs> I think we should probably end. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, this has been the Five Heart Podcast, uh, where five hearts are all the heart you need. We thank you very much for joining us the ev this evening. Uh, we look forward to uh, an upcoming weekend of Husker athletics, particularly the football game with Buffalo, the volleyball game with uh, Utah. Uh, and uh, soccer, I'm sure, is playing this. I think they're down in Arizona this weekend. So good luck to all the Husker teams. And with that said, John? Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Yes. Go. Thank you very much.